0: The first half's winding down in the Atlantic League, and the divisional races are just starting to heat up. And in the can League, there is a little bit of turmoil in Ottawa. Let's find out what's going on in all of Independent League Baseball on this week's edition of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Alright guys, we're back again. I believe this is episode number 22, so we've made it a good little bit here. Again, it's just me this week, Co-host James, he's a bit under the weather, and wasn't able to uh, head down to the fanciest of studios we have, and so he will not be joining us this week, however, there will be the episode next week, where we will um, both be here, and we'll both record, and you know, the standard deal that we normally have, it's a bit disappointing he can't be here, but you know, if you can't get here, you can't get here, we can't always force everything here. Obviously, I promised a lot of uh, are announcing all of the big changes we were going to make for the show going forward. Um, last week, I said that we were going to do it this week, and the week before, I said we were going to do it last week. So we're not pushing back anymore, although I wanted them here when I did it. We're just going well, to just gonna announce them, but I'll do so at the end of the show, which again, we're shooting for about a half hour, 40 minutes. Uh, but there is a lot to discuss, both in the can League and in the Atlantic League. So without further ado, let's get started on both of those. And we'll jump right into the Can-Am League. Everything had to change uh, <laughs> due to uh, the news surrounding Ottawa. If you follow the Twitter account, at Pod on Twitter, or if you were on the uh, Instagram and you saw our, our uh, story posts, or the two story posts about the Ottawa matter, uh, basically the quick, uh, I suppose, 30-second rundown of it. I hadn't seen, or just a bit confused or out of the loop here. What happened was, for a while now, Ottawa stadium situation had been a bit tenuous. Uh, This has been something that we've known about since really the beginning of the year. And uh, essentially, the city and the team are the the greatest of terms from what I can gather. And more so than that, the stadium lot, the place where it is sitting, because the stadium is owned by the city of Ottawa, it was listed as one of 20 potential sites for redevelopment. It would go into, I believe, it was public housing, so that was uh, that was always a concern that was kind of hanging over. However, there, they have a lease agreement that would span for another five years. So, at the conclusion of the 2024 season, the lease either need to be renewed or not renewed, and then the champs would be up the creek without a paddle, so to say. And yesterday, Friday, on uh, what occurred was, uh, according to Josh Willing, he writes for the Ottawa Citizen, uh, he reported that the city council decided to terminate Ottawa's lease. However, there was a new agreement put in place that I had seen reported by Willing. And it basically it was saying, well, now they're just going to have to change how they do things. It's They're still going to be there. They're still good for the rest of the season, although now it changes things. That's where we had sat going into the situation. They were, the least, but they were still in the ballpark and still good. So I took it upon myself to do a little bit of digging, because uh, well, you guys deserve the digging. And so I emailed a couple of people and waited for replies. We are still waiting for replies for certain from some people. Contacting both the social media account for the champs and the league didn't really yield any results, nor did emailing the mayor of Ottawa. We tried getting a hold of him, but they have yet to respond to our uh, reply for for comment, I guess. Uh, we had asked him several questions, of which include the we asked him what was the current status of the lease, which has all been confirmed by everybody else, that that lease is terminated, so that question's kind of uh, pointless now, but I wanted to go and get the uh, other side's opinion on this. So asked, uh, what would the team need to do to get a new lease or to satisfy the city? Uh, that question I was more meaning because now we know the lease was terminated. I was just kind of looking for confirmation on that. Uh, once again, the city did not reply, but uh, the following two people, which I'll list in a second, they did reply and did confirm that status. So I was trying to see if the team would be able to get another lease. Then we also asked what was the city's perspective on the matter. No replies to any of those. Really want to see what was why Ottawa decided now is the time they're going to do this. Why was why were they going to take action at the halfway mark of the season? Why not take action in the beginning of the season? At the end of the season? Why now? We then, or I then proceeded to email the owner of the uh, champions, Miles Wolf, uh, used to be a commissioner of several leagues, including the Can-Am and. Uh, he did respond to me, so I do appreciate his response. And it was very, very timely. It was about 15 minutes after I emailed him. Uh, I'd asked him what was the current status of the lease again. Uh, basically, everyone I emailed, I asked about what's the status with the lease because I wanted to get from as many angles as possible uh, their perspective on it. Then I also asked what the uh, plan is going forward for the remainder of the year. Is there any plan in place to keep the champions in Ottawa should the park become untenable? Basically it's uh, no longer a usable situation, uh, the relationships deteriorated to a point where it's not going to be able to be repaired. Wolf then replied to me saying that the city will be terminating the lease and it will be replaced by a facility use agreement, and uh, this, uh, this effectively is a new lease. Financially, the use agreement makes the rent of the stadium less on uh, onerous, so less strenuous it It's less uh, overbearing on the team. They're able to manage it better. Our plan is to have the champions in auto for many years. In a minute, I'm going to explain what the difference is between a facility use agreement and a lease through different articles that I found because I was trying to really pinpoint what the differences are there. However, whilst I had the owner of the team on, I didn't feel the need to ask him, uh, can you explain to me the intricate details of each of them? I felt that was a bit too inquisitive for... uh, people of our size and more so I have more pressing questions than that but from what I gathered from that statement that he had sent was that he was able to kind of you know lay everything over and make it all all good with the city so that way uh, the champions will be fine so then I asked some follow-up questions as anyone should so I asked how long will the agreement last for will this uh, will the change over from uh, lease to fuA? create any major changes that the fans or the players would notice. To which he replied, our old lease have five more years on it, so until 2025. And we expect to continue under the new agreement, and no changes for the players or fans are expected. So, my main question, or main point of asking those questions, was really to get kind of a handle on the situation from the Ottawa perspective. And it's very clear from the Ottawa perspective, uh, this wasn't necessarily unexpected that's what I gathered from it. Um, More so than that though, I gathered that uh, Wolf had a plan in place to take care of this and clearly he has the assets and the means to uh, kind of repair any damage. However I am a bit skeptical about that last point because when I asked will there be any changes that we're going to notice because clearly if you're going from a lease to a different type of an agreement there's going to be a difference because beforehand in the lease the city of Ottawa was going to give the, the champions kind of special treatment and the maintenance of it and now that's going away. Now it's just like they're renting the park. That's basically the difference. Instead of being a tenant, they're a renter now. <laughs> so they don't really have as much leeway. The city has more control under this new agreement from what I gather. And instead of paying a, just a straight up flat rate that they would have to pay to the city, which the terms of that agreement, uh, you'll see the link in the show notes is the uh, ballpark digest article. And I'll uh, there's no point in me just reading you that article. You can read it yourself and get all the breakdown on it. But they lay out the terms of the uh, old agreement there. And it was very rough. It was very bad. It was a very bad deal for, for the champions because they were competing against affiliated ball. So they had to sign a deal that was unfavorable terms. That did not really set them up in the best uh, conditions for success. And when it's either not exist or be existing in a rough spot, the latter is the better choice, but not by terribly much. So they're kind of in a rough spot there, and that's why I was asking, will there be changes? And I'm not sure how much I buy that there won't be any changes. I think there's going to be small noticeable ones, but I don't think there's going to be anything terribly major. I was more asking that less for the fame perspective and more for the player perspective. Because I'm sure, as a player, you see this go down and, you know, it doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence. You see, yeah, oh wow, the league's got terminated, I wonder how long I'm going to be in Ottawa for, because I wonder how long the champions are going to be in Ottawa. So, I was more wondering for that, and I imagine that special treatment that the city was giving them, I imagine the players saw that a lot more than the fans really did. So it'll be very interesting from that perspective. Now, moving on to the next guy I had contacted, uh, I contacted Kevin Wynn, he's the executive director of the league. Um, I have uh, highlighted him on this show before, we have highlighted him on this show before, uh, mainly regarding the expansion of the canon league. So I had asked him, you know, just kind of for a general overview of what's happening. Uh, again, this NASA of the lease. again, what the outlook is for the chance for the remainder of the year and kind of the next five years or so. And how does this impact the expansion plans? What he had said was that the lease had been cancelled and restructured. That's exactly what we already knew. The lease was gone and something had came in to replace it. Whilst the lease is gone, the facility use is in there. That much is confirmed. Miles Wolf will forfeit this letter of credit with the city that is also already known. That was made public through the Ottawa Citizen. Uh, And he's going to have to make a $200,000 payment this fall to make up for uh, the arrears. He's also going to be able to play in the ballpark until 2024 at minimum. According to Kevin Wynn, the champions are safe for the next five years. I have my thoughts on that, and I'll get into those in just a moment. But uh, if this is how the relationship's going to be with the city, I'm not sure if uh, five years is going to happen or not. Uh, then to the second question uh, he's active he's been actively trying to sell the team before the 2020 season he's not given us any indication that uh, he will not operate in 2020 so we already knew that wolf was trying to sell this team it was been fairly well known especially around uh, the city of Ottawa it's been no real secret that uh, wolf's trying to move on from this from the champs uh, now I'm not sure how feasible that's going to be given the current status. Obviously if you have a lease in place with the city it makes you a lot more appealing to a buyer than if you don't. Uh, it's just not as great of a situation to be in there. It's a rough position to be in if you're trying to move this team and by moving, I mean just move it off of your shoulders and onto another team's shoulders or another guy's shoulders. Interesting information I had gotten was in question three, and I'm sure this has been reported elsewhere, and a lot of it's fairly obvious. In regard to the expansion comment, when had said, If we lose a team, it would certainly hurt with the future of expansion. That's pretty obvious, and though it was not explicitly stated that it would be Ottawa, that would be the team lost, any team. So this could mean anybody. I'd imagine the Myers are fine, they're leading in attendance this year, and their attendance has gone up. Uh, the Jackals are a stalwart. While Quebec's having a rough year, both on and in attendance wise, I'm not that concerned, and three rivers is fine. So I don't, I don't know, imagine any of them. If anyone be Rockland who's talked about wanting to be in the Atlantic League by 2020, but I highly doubt that uh, Rockland's going to want to move on from, uh, or i highly doubt the Atlantic League rather is going to want Rockland in there after a little bit of a rough start already with the high point and trying to lobby for Pawtucket. And with the MLB deal in there, it's just I don't see something like that that's going to be approved. And once again, I don't know how, in like regards to player, to team player acquisition. I'm sure it's been reported before, and well, I'm sure we've reported it before. But off the top of my head, I just don't really recall if MLB will have a say on if they can add a team or not. Even and even if not, even if the uh, Atlantic League retains full autonomy in that regard. I imagine MLB would say, we don't really feel comfortable with that. We don't really want to add in even more tracking data from that. I imagine the earliest you would see a Rockland in there would be around 2021, 2022. At the end of the partnership is right when I would say you could get in there or when Pawtucket is able to come in. I don't really see the Atlantic League wanting to do much in the way of bringing a Road Warrior team in for like two years or so and they can get a team settled in Pawtucket, and even then it's going to require a lot more restructuring, because I would imagine you would have to go with, um, there would then be Somerset, Rockland, Long Island, New Britain, and Pawtucket in one division, and then you'd have to go with York, Lancaster, Southern Maryland, High Point, and Sugarland in another division, which isn't really that big of a deal, restructuring it is not the end of the world, and as we know... The Atlantic League is more than fine to add and drop teams. I just don't see at this time Rockland adding anything that's a must-have for the Atlantic League. I mean, Rockland's claim to fame is kind of that uh, suburban New York market, but you already have that on the New York side of the line on Long Island with the Ducks and on the New Jersey side of the line with Somerset. Uh, well, while, yes, it's a different area, you can get more of a Bergen County and lower Hudson Valley region there, I don't necessarily see... Uh, that making a lot of sense there to add them as we know there's a bit of a controversy around the stadium now is not the best of times to go into however it's something that needs to be considered before adding them considering that Frank Bowden has been very adamant about not only getting Atlantic City in there, this has been something he has been working out for about a year now and now he's also tackled Pawtucket I would imagine Atlantic City is far more of a destination than Rockland is. It just makes more sense, especially with their more recent acquisitions. And they're going kind to of keep with traditional markets. I would say it would have to be in Atlantic City, because you'd want to capitalize on that tourism strip of the Jersey Shore. More so than the lower Hudson Valley region, which Rockland's seen diminishing attendance for the past few years. Now, I don't have many doubts that, sure... If they were to move over, yeah, their attendance would probably jump up. You'd probably see, a, roughly speaking, double, and they'd probably be around forty-two hundred to forty-four hundred a game. Especially in the early going, you get some former Mets, some former Yankees in there, with a larger budget, more talented players. It could certainly work. However, I don't really see the Atlantic League going. We must have Rockland. I think if Rockland gets added, it'll be at the Atlantic League's behest, not at Rockland's behest any sort of thing would obviously hurt it, however they are the other part here and the more interesting part is he said that he uh, I can tell you we're in talks with two locations in the States and one in Canada I pressed for uh, more specifics on that like I, well specifically I said uh, in addition to them being very helpful on the can side because that's the side that's been the ones answering my questions, everyone's been uh, very helpful in that regard. Or if you don't mind me saying and you're able to say What regions of these cities you mentioned in New England, Greater New York, uh, Ontario, Nova Scotia, Quebec. Because the Canadian is far more fascinating to me. I assume the state side, I imagine Atlantic City's one. I imagine Pawtucket has to be one. I imagine there's a couple other smaller markets that are certainly in contention. And on the Canadian side, there's so many possibilities. Uh, Nova Scotia has a lot with uh, Prince Edward Island. Amongst others, uh, Ontario has a couple that could really still work. Well, Hulk knows won't the same thing, but I imagine like a Thunder Bay, maybe a Kitchener, that whole general feel do it. Uh, Quebec obviously has a bunch, too, that would um, make a lot of sense. So that's a very interesting angle for me, personally speaking, because I love that kind of thing. But in any case, to kind of round back you know, to the topic at hand in Ottawa's general future, I suppose, because that's the information we really have at the moment. That, uh, well, going to have to make a very large payment, and they're going to have to be paying hourly going forward. That's really the important thing here. And, whilst it's kind of, uh, on the Can-Am side, thinking we're good for five years, the outlook beyond that, I'm not really sure. Um, from Twitter commenters underneath, Willing's uh, Billing's initial post, seems like this has been kind of more or less expected for a little bit here. With this current agreement here, I'm really a bit skeptical of them making five years. And I really wish I would have gotten something better from the mayor's office, because it would make me feel a lot more confident one way or the other. Because from the information I have now, everyone's very confident in that we're good till twenty twenty four. Beyond that, where are you going to be? You know, I can't confidently say I see them in the in Ottawa in twenty twenty five because if you're willing to terminate the lease, unless there's a tremendous turnaround in the next five years, I don't really see anything happening. See them going, oh, well, we need to give you a new lease, or we need to renew the FUA, or anything like that. I just see them going, well, now this is done, our agreement's filled, get out, so that way we can tear down the stadium and put up the housing. Which would really be terrible, I mean, the city of audible has lost a lot of baseball teams. They lost the Ottawa Lynx of Affiliated Ball. They lost the Rapids of the Can-Am League. And now the future is at at best uncertain. Now, it's just, it's a really rough draw for them. And I can't really put this much on the Can-Am side. Their greatest sin was signing a deal that they really had no other choice to do they made a deal that no affiliated team would ever dare touch in an attempt to get in there. And I wonder, and maybe foolishly wonder, if it was an Atlantic League there as opposed to a Can-Am League there, would things have worked out better? And the answer to that, I think, is no. I think one way or the other that they would have been in the same position because I really don't feel like the city of Ottawa is backing them here. Uh, I understand there has been some financial loss in the city of Ottawa's part. However, you have to understand going into an undertaking such as any minor league sport, there's going to be losses for the, for the first probably dozen years or so, maybe even more than that, maybe in the first 15 years. You're going to be operating at a loss more than likely. Very few markets turn profit within the first five years, and even even fewer before that. It's not really until you start getting that established fan base that you really start seeing that return. It's about ten years in that you're gonna start seeing returns on it. And if I'm correct, the Ottawa's only approaching ten years fairly soon. I think they're only at five years. Yeah, they're this is their fifth season. So I mean, you're expecting to have losses. I mean, that's like opening up a restaurant expecting everything to run smoothly. It's you got into a very dangerous market to get into, and for some reason you're going I can't believe we lost money. It's like investing in Enron in 06, It's not a good decision. It's very bad. I mean, it's it's like if I went to Bernie Madoff right now and told him to match my money, and then be surprised that I'm out of money. You know, it's you know what you're getting into. It, this is really on the city of Ottawa because the champions have done everything they can. They're very active on social media to try and get younger people in. I'm sure they're very active around the city of Ottawa, if we are to judge out. Miles Wolf has ran his previous teams. It's very much... Uh, a very hands-on operation. He very much gets active and involved and gets people to the ballpark. More so than that, though, even, it's been a very winning team. Last season was obviously not a very good year for the champions, I, I grant you that. However, that's why it's only been two years since they won in twenty fifteen. So I mean, it's it's very difficult for me to say that the organization's doing anything wrong here. If anything, the greatest sin would be just signing the deal. But all it was too good of a market to pass up on like the opportunity here. And like I said, it, and like I keep repeating, I really feel like this is on the city here. If you didn't like the agreement that you had signed, or you had a different thought about it when you went into it. And that should have been something you brought up at the time. And if it was that big of a sticking point for you, then I'm sorry you shouldn't have signed the contract, but you signed the lease agreement. You knew what you were getting into. You had a very generous split here where you were getting a large percentage of gate revenue. You are getting a large percentage of revenue made inside the stadium, uh, see concessions and, and merchandise. You got very generous there. You had a even more generous lease agreement to you. It was better than anything you were going to get with the double-A team that was pushing there. It's just, I almost wonder too, because the timing is very convenient. It's about a week after the, uh, the whole Rays fiasco to Montreal. And as we know, they're, they're not out of their lease in Tampa Bay until 2028. So I almost wonder if the play here is among those that still want baseball in Ottawa to kind of force the champs out to fulfill their agreement make it easier on yourself to get out of this commitment in 2024. Let the thing sit dormant for four years, maybe put a soccer team in there or something, or just run a bunch of events and conventions in the ballpark. It seats 10,000 anyway. And then in 2027 or 2028, when the Rays announced they're leaving Tampa Bay, because all the signs point to that, and they go, we're moving to Montreal, and the league will obviously approve it. Then you can go around and say, well, why don't you put your AAA team in Ottawa? It's only a couple-hour car ride or a short 30-minute 30 mi- 30 plane trip. You could easily get teams up and down or put them in the International League. It'll work out terrific. It's a 10,000-seat stadium. You dump about a couple million into it. It could be topped along and the gem of minor league-affiliated ball. I know that's a bit... Uh, conspiracy theory but I think it definitely has merit it definitely would make sense there and then the other half that says we shouldn't even have built the thing to begin with they don't really care what happens as long as they can get the current tenant out and put up high rises which obviously from where we stand either scenario scenarios quite terrible for us I suppose we prefer the one that keeps baseball in Ottawa so that way at least the fans have something and same in the case of Wichita but, you know, it definitely isn't the same when you have affiliated ball. Uh, the thing that's kind of drawing about independent ball is you're on your own. Whether you survive or you fail is kind of determined well, by a lot of factors, as we see in this case. There are no real rules. You can kind of do whatever you want. It's kind of like a, a wild styling, if you would. It just gets to run around free. And whether or not it survives or not is dependent on its own actions and how it handles the actions of others. As opposed to affiliate ball that's like a thoroughbred racehorse. Well, yeah, it's going to probably run better. It's reined in. It's trained. It's beaten. It, no, it's not the same. And it just doesn't give the same sense, at least to me. Maybe may be a bit poetic, but that's the way that goes. So, uh, I wanted to talk more in-depth about the actual play in the Atlantic League this week, but uh, seeing as we're already at 30 minutes here, and we're running behind on getting this thing up as it is uh, due to several backlogs here. Uh, I'm going to have to save that for uh, the next show. So we will move out to the Atlantic League here after, I think, giving a fairly good feel on Ottawa. Once again, next week's show, we will pre- most obviously, will be reoccurring. And obviously, we'll bring this issue back up again when my co-host is healthy and back here in the studio. So we will move to the Atlantic League for real, this time now, because there's been a lot going on in that league in regards to divisional races, and man, oh man, am I going to jump on sugar land. Uh, it's tough here, because the way I'm sitting in this chair, because I decided to move to a smaller quarters to record this week, that's uh, hopefully better in the audio, you don't hear the air conditioner really at all, and there's not as much traffic noise, and so I hope the audio quality better this week. But the way I have to sit is much smaller than the bike, and I don't have my same usual setup here. Because I'm just running out of breath from the way I'm sitting. And it's uh, less than ideal, so I'm sorry if it's uh, not the best performance on my end. Uh, I hope the quality is at least a little bit better. Uh, at some sort of a consolation prize. But in any case, to the Atlantic League, Sugar clearly the starting point. And coming into the week, they were on a little bit of a skid. Then they went on a huge skid, and now have lost about eight or nine in a row. And all I'm left thinking here is, remember back a couple episodes ago, when I said, you can't less let Gene Santi hit his way out of this. Because what's going to happen is you're going to be put into a pennant race. And when you get into a race like that, anything can happen. And then I said, the only reason this is even a debate is because Sugarland's running away with this division because the division is by far the worst we've seen Atlantic League, rather, in a very long time. And my co-host kept going, he has his way out, Sugarland's fine, Gian Santi needs to get going if they want to make a good run in the postseason. We all remember that, because I remember that. And you know what? Maybe maybe he's coming up with excuses. Maybe the real reason my co-host is here is he knew I was going to bring this up, because currently speaking... Here on June 29th, just about a mere week away from the end of the first half of the season, just about 10 days away from the All-Star break, your Sugarland skaters sit at a 31-31 record on an 8th game losing streak. And the best part of all of this, the York Revolution who on this show we have been not very shy about uh, jumping on a bit due to their atrocious bullpen for about the first six months six weeks of the season and their lack of a starting pitching staff and the fact that they at various points in this season could have hit their way off a paper bag and made, uh, well, made the Patriots look like the Yankees in terms of batting which is never a positive thing. Well those very same York Revolution are but a mere three games back of your Sugarland Land skaters. The skaters that have been leading this division since the beginning of May, because they can't win a game, because they haven't been able to win games they need to win. Now, we have numbers. We have stats on this show. As you can hear, my stats are written on paper, so that makes terrific audio quality for all of you. In the safe game, losing streak. Let me read you the last... Oh, wait. Hold on. There's more. I have all eight losses here from their starting pitching. Allow me to read you them in order. Dallas Beeler. Six innings, eight hits, four runs, all earned. Christian Bergman. Four innings, nine hits, five runs, all earned. Scribner. Six innings, seven hits, three runs, all earned. Perk, five innings, five hits, two runs, both earned. Dallas Buehler again, five and two-thirds, ten hits, five earned, five runs total. Here's about their only good start thus far, or Pimentel. Five, five innings, one hit, one run. They would still go on to lose that because the bullpen would then surrender five runs, and they would, and as an offense, would only muster seven hits. Although they did push one run across after the six, so good for them. Now, in the past two days, so Thursday, Friday. So this would be yesterday and the day before. Scribner again took the mound. He again went six innings, giving up eight hits and nine earned runs. Once again, only nine in total. And then Perk went out there, and in a beautiful two-inning performance, in which they got lit up like a candle against High Point, he went two innings surrendered three hits and four runs, but only two of which were earned. The bullpen then did even more damage by surrendering nine more runs, and they committed three errors in that game. Need I say more? The starting pitching has been slightly below average to atrocious in all but about two to three, maybe three starts if you really want to push it. Really, only the one start from Pimentelli or Pimentel, uh, how you we pronounce his name? P-I-M-E-N-T-A-L. I believe it is. Up <laughs> at his start, we're really quite bad. So already, the pitching's putting the hitting behind the eight ball, and the hitting hasn't really stepped up to the plate. I know, terrible pun. I didn't even mean to happen, but they will run with it. The hitting hasn't stepped up to the plate. They're not doing their job. So the hitters aren't doing their job, and the pitchers aren't doing their job. How are they going to win against teams they should beat? I understand losing the high point, but they dropped some games to York, which is a team that has been on the ropes, and really, for the past month and a half, has just been waiting for that knockout punch to come, and has never come now that they've managed to creep their way back into this division, to a point where 500 Baseball could very well win this division, to even, dare I say, under 500. Under 500 should never win a division. That's unacceptable. This whole division has just been hot trash. Meanwhile, on the, on the other side of things, nobody's really out of it. New Britain is to an extent, and the amazing thing is, while New Britain is technically, mathematically, I believe they're still alive, but in practical means they're not. They're five back of high point here, and I don't think they're going to have enough here. There's still four games above 500, and if they were in the other side of things, they'd be two and a half games up on everybody. It wouldn't even be a contest right now. It's amazing. And I meanwhile, high points ran off a five-game winning streak, and now they're a game back of Long Island. And Somerset's currently playing a huge series from in which they dropped they dropped Game One last night. They have relief in David Kubiak taking the mound tonight. That is, unless he gets purpose contract purchased, which I'm not sure what Kubiak's doing to prevent him from getting his contract purchased. But the man is a machine. He just goes out, and he gives you seven innings. Brown's going to surrender no more than five hits and no more than, than two runs. And nobody wants to purchase his contract. The way he's pitching right now deserves a spot not only in affiliated ball, but on a major league roster, if for nothing else as a long arm. I mean, God, look at the way the Met bullpen is. He could definitely slide in there. And I'm sure if you want to look at the worst starting pitching snaps in the league, he could find a place as a five starter. But that's a side rant. We'll get to that division in a minute. The important thing is that on the other half of this league, on the Liberty Division side of this league, it's just been a firefight. Nobody is out of this. The amazing thing is, if Long Island comes away with a one-game lead, it's very possible at the end of this that High Point takes its first half division and will confirm one of my hot takes that they make the playoffs, which apparently isn't so much of a hot take it's amazing here. It really is amazing to me. I can't, I cannot see, I don't understand how the talent could be so not evenly distributed. I don't understand what exactly Sugarland is doing wrong. That's the other thing that makes it very hard for me to process all this, is that Sugarland should be a better team than they are. And they're just not playing up to their level right now. Uh, I mean, you want to look at stats here. The stats tell the story of, they're just not performing, and I just, I have a hard time believing that it's all about that. It's just a very, uh, it's confusing to me that they're this bad right now. They should not be this bad. I mean, by every measurable statistic, they should not be anywhere near this bad. I mean, you want to look at, and just, like, you oh man, I mean, like, nobody's no he's hitting at the moment. Once again, if you want to sort by batting average, we'll use the baseball reference because God knows that the Atlantic League site's just such trash. I love the Atlantic League for a lot of reasons, but by God, they make it terrible to get stats. I've complained about this a lot of times here, but I'm really going to hit the hammer this time. There's nobody here hitting, and your best guy is one Savario and he's batting 286. That's great, but you need at least one guy over 300. In that league, like Savario is hitting 286 with power. He has seven home runs, 33 ribbies. I mean, yeah, that's great, but it's not wonderful here. It's not doing everything here. I mean, you want. To, let's go by game started. Savario's been basically playing every. He's played every game. 62 games out of 62. He's not getting a day off. Dean Sati is still struggling. He's batting 225. So it looks like I'm going to be right on that one. And two. Uh Cody Stanley, okay, my he is uh two sixty 260, two sixty-five. Uh two thirty three for Dennis Phipps, so it's either a home run or it's an out. Um yeah, no, nobody else is really jumping out to me. I mean that's the that's a major problem. Nobody is. And now they released their pigeon coach too. Which has pitched fine. Like, Roy Merritt has not been the problem here. If you think Roy Merritt's been the issue, you're not paying attention. The problem is your team is not hitting the ball. And when the starter takes the mound, they're not doing their job. And if you notice, out of all of the stars I list on this 8 team skid, Roy Merritt did not start once. Why he didn't start at least once, when if you look back before that, like, hold on, i I'll look up the stats for the week past. I'll dig back through here, because I have them all... Again, listed here. In Merritt's one appearance, he went four innings, six six hits in one run. The run was earned. If that's not the best start you've had, and that was on the ninth game, that was their last win was Roy Merritt's start. So he, call me crazy, but maybe during the skid, when you had, I don't know, just abysmal pitching, where you saw Scribner get lit up, Park get lit up, Fielder got lit up. Bergman got lit up. Everybody that pitched, except for the one other guy here, uh, Pimentelli. Pimentel. Yeah, Pimentel. Yeah, Pimentel was the only guy that did not get lit up. I'm sorry, if you only have one guy that didn't get lit up, maybe, maybe you should skip a start. Maybe you should be bringing Merritt in earlier in the games. He's the only one that has started effectively so far, and you release him. Yeah, that's going to go great. I can't wait till he goes to York and then he's the reason why you don't make the playoffs. Because let's be honest with ourselves here for a minute. Whoever wins this first half is going to make the playoffs. (laughs) They're going to make the playoffs. And with the way York's playing right now, if they don't win the first half, they're going to win the second half. And the real loser in all of this, and as a great segue to talk about the Liberty Division, is whoever finishes second or third in the Liberty Division. Because, let's be clear, High Point, Long Island, and Somerset all deserve... Honestly, the whole Liberty Division deserves to be in the playoffs. There's no one on the freedom side that deserves it. They just don't. And I look like an idiot for saying 3.5... 83.5 as Sugarland's win number. Because right now, they'll be lucky... They'll be lucky to touch 60 with the way they're playing. And I get it's a bad skid. But at the same time... This isn't the first time they've struggled with pitching... It isn't the first time they struggle with hitting. Just normally one side or the other bails the other half out. And this time, no one's bailing anybody out, and this is what happens. So I honestly hope York wins this division as a wake-up call to them to go, maybe we should start playing baseball again. But, any case, we'll look at the Liberty division rather quickly, because now we're starting to run a bit long. My rant has uh, <laughs> gone on for quite some time here. But, uh, on the other hand... Uh, Somerset struggled offensively still. They dropped some games they should have won. They had a nice lead in their division coming into or coming out of the Long Island series last week. And then they blew that away. Long Island won games they needed to win. Somerset didn't. New Britain's meddling and then High Point just, like a uh, plan on takeoff, just started climbing right up the standings. And it's worked out great for them. So it's really anybody's game there. I still think it's going to be the winner of this series that's going to take it. I think it's going to be Long Island. I think Somerset's going to win the second half. And I think High Point's going to get screwed because York's going to win this half. And then Sugar Land's going to win the next half. And High Point's going to be going... We were ten games better than anyone in that division. Yet we're sitting at home. I just, I mean... Yeah... That division is crazy with the divisional race and everything. If you want to take a look over it, let's take a look over at the uh, pitching numbers then. On the, really on all three of them. If we'll start with High Point there. Uh, this past week, only really two bad starts. Uh, uh, Heron and Damasi. Uh, Heron went seven innings, six hits, five runs, four earned. Damasi went five innings, five hits, four runs, four earned. Uh, but both times, bullpen shut it down after they got out of it. So, not really much concern there. Everybody else went to... Uh, Van Meter did his job, Carl did his job, and Simmons, while struggling a little bit, bullpen again, did a very good job. Bullpen's been on fire this week, only one run. Only allowing one run's pretty pretty darn good. Um, meanwhile, if we take a look over at the... Uh, like I said, I think thinking brands out of this. I think they came out a little bit too late. They would have started their charge about a week earlier. We could really see a fun fight to the finish, but uh, already it's going to be pretty fun. Uh, line-wise, a little bit rockier on the starting. Uh, a couple of starts here. McAvoy had to get taken out after two in a seven-inning game. He allowed four, and the bullpen kind of imploded from there. And then Iorio, uh, five-inning, six hits, 4 earned runs. Uh, then the bullpen gave up seven, so I mean, not exactly great. But Darren uh, downs also, not the best. Uh, 3 and 2 thirds, 4 hits, 2 runs, only one was earned though, so, I mean, not, not the best starting pitching coming out of Long Island. Meanwhile, Somerset, they were pitching very good, only Holmberg, with a 6-run uh, start in 5 innings. And Sullivan, same deal, actually, same exact numbers, only one more earned run, or, yeah, one more earned run than Holmberg had uh, in one last inning. But, uh, everyone else pitched great, uh, Kubiak, a 2-hitter in 7 innings once again. He should be signed. Once again, he isn't signed. And selfishly, I almost hope he isn't. So that way I get to watch him pitch more locally and in person. However, at the same time, the dude deserves to move on. I want, I really want to see this guy get into affiliated ball and be on a major league roster. Because there's no excuse for him not being that right now. Because right now, the way he's pitching, man, he's just... He's, He's like the Jacob de Grom of the Atlantic League right now, and that's really the only way you could put it. If we want to look so far into this week, uh, Holmberg recovered a terrific start for him. Uh, seven innings, four hits, no earned runs, no runs at all. And then O'Sullivan pitched great last night, but uh, unfortunately Mike Broadway gave up a three-run bomb, and that's why Long Island currently leads this whole, whole shebang, the whole league, really. Uh, but O'Sullivan went six innings and, again, four hits, so... He did very good, too. So Patriot Pitching is doing their job. It's Once again, the bats are an issue. A small ball team they are, but a run scoring team they are not. Uh, they need to get some sort of a big bat. They need to look somewhere to get that bat from. Obviously, Espinal and Paredes have really helped out, especially with Jimmy Paredes coming in. His debut saw a lot of offense from him, so hopefully he can continue that for Summers at stake. But uh, they're going to need to find some offense from somewhere. Because right now, this team is just not producing enough to make a meaningful run. They may win this division here, but if you lose Kubiak, man, you lose your ace or your staff. And while everybody else is a very good pitcher, they all have at least one bad start. And that's something Kubiak really doesn't have. And pitching can help you out, but you need some run scoring. and They just really don't have that. I'm really still beating the drum on them getting Ruby Silva. I think Ruby Silva could really help this team out. And then you go out, maybe you pull in one guy from Can-Am League. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Maybe you find a guy that's kind of sitting on the sideline, trying to get back into things here. Trying to think of guys that maybe uh, maybe good additions to the team here. I'm not sure what Josh Tolley's up to, but maybe Josh Tolley. Who knows? I mean, there's probably a boatload of other minor leaguers that or a bunch of kind of so-so major league talent that's sitting on the sidelines waiting to get a phone call that they could probably call up get in there and really improve their offense with at any moment here but, uh, but yet we're still waiting on that uh, and meanwhile on Lang Island this week uh, McAvoy not a great start for he went four innings gave three hits, surrendered six runs four of which were earned but then uh, Fisher went out there and pitched terrific last night, five in the third, eight hits, only allowed one run. So, I mean, he did, it. He did his job. And once the Long Island's bullpen shot him down from there. Uh, Josh Luke is gone from Long Island, too, and I feel like that's kind of important to mention. He's gone now to the Mexican league, but Pedro Beato has slotted in for him. So, he, they replace a guy that's been very effective for them to this point in the season with a guy that has a pretty good major league track record. So it seems like Long Island's gearing up for that final push. So it'll be a fun fight to the finish here. And now I think we've covered just about everything I want to hit in the Atlantic League. We've covered a lot of ground in the Can-Am League as well. So now I think I'm just going to take a couple minutes here at the end just to kind of give you guys a a little bit of an update as to what's going on now and in the future for the show, being that we're at about 3.20 now in the afternoon here, so I'm going to have to edit this thing really quickly and get it up. And hopefully you guys have it up by a first pitch for most of the games that are going on tonight. So, going forward here, I kind of establish a plan. It's been no kind of surprise we've had a little bit of issue scheduling recordings in the past few weeks. I mean, for about the past month and a half or so, we've been going every other episode, so a single episode. So, recording dates have been a bit of an issue. And I did notice when we released last week's show, the view number went up a bit if it goes out on a Friday as opposed to a Saturday or... So, with that being said, I think the decision here that's been reached is I'm gonna move the recording date up in the near future to be recording on Thursdays and releasing them on Friday. I think that's really the best option for everybody. It seems like more people get to see the show when we have it out on, uh, out during the week as opposed to on the weekend. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, As you can probably tell, we're going to really start heavily gearing towards the East Coast Leagues. I think that's really the way about, I think that's the proper way of doing this now. It just makes a lot more sense to me to cover leagues that we're able to see. Uh, The Frontier League, even doing the preview show, was very difficult for me to cover, simply because I don't really know about any of the players in that league. I don't really know how things run in those leagues. I don't know about any of the rules in those leagues. I've never really seen any of these players. So it's very difficult for me to judge that. And the same holds true in the American Association. And really all the leagues that are not the Can-Am and the Atlantic. More so than that, too, it, there's also a lot of other podcasts on those leagues. I know the Frontier League and the American Association, individual teams have their own like daily recaps and their own shows. And one of the leagues has their own podcast themselves that they produce and they run. So if you're a junkie there, you can look that up there. Now, that's not to say we won't cover them at all. We're still going to give you content about those leagues, especially in the off-season. And then it's something we're definitely going to be doing there. And uh, as we get close to the end of the season, and once we start getting into uh, September, October, we'll come up with an off-season plan. As you kind of know, news dries up heavily in the off-season. There's just nothing much happening there. It's not like we have winter meetings in the independent league, so. More than that, though, more than just switching over, which now they're not coming the Frontier League that much anymore. Terrific timing by us, seeing as they just follow us on, on Instagram, which prompts to you guys, keep following. We're still going to talk about you a bit, but not as much. Other news about the show, uh, we're going to try and make our way up to Rockland for the All-Star game on the 10th. If you're going to be there, look for us there. But if you see a bunch of tweets and Instagram posts, about us, we're going to be there, so that's about it from there. So we'll be really discussing that. Maybe on our way back from the game, we'll do a kind of impromptu show. Maybe we'll do a little bit of a live thing as well. That's still to be determined. We're going to kind of iron up those plans and announce that next week during next week's show. Uh, the recording on Thursday plan, that's either going to start next week or the following week. Um, uh, outside of that, I think that's really all the big news we kind of had uh, scheduled here. Um... There's still a couple other things I'm kind of thinking about doing, but I need to run them past everybody else first to kind of get a general sense of it. But, uh, yeah, no, I think that's about a good place to kind of pull the plug on this episode. Um, we're going to plug it and get out of here. So, obviously, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Instagram, Indie Ball Report, that's the Instagram handle. Like us up, follow us there. Uh, a lot of news gets broke there. Episodes come out, we put that up there. Uh, pictures from show. Of- from any ball games we go to, anything like that, they go up there as well. Uh, Twitter, IndieBallPod, P-O-D Pod. For that, uh, we tweet out a lot of stuff and binges. Uh, once again, shows we tweet out the link to there. A lot of the information we tweet out there. That's the best place to stay up to date with us is Twitter. So follow us there. Uh, the website, a lot of articles. I'll probably write something about Ottawa too. Uh, that whole situation, probably breakdown of it maybe a prediction thing, look for that to come out. That's indiebowreport.com. So take a look at that. Uh, that's linked in basically all our bios. So you could just go to the Instagram or the Twitter, click the link in the bio, and you're right there. And you can bookmark it and uh, check every day for updates. Uh, podcasts are all hosted there. Show notes are also hosted there. So go right to there for all your information, all your anything there. Uh, more so than anything else, though, be sure to follow us. Oops, sorry, subscribing reading, and reviewing, because it helps us in the search results, on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podomatic, and Spotify. We're on all those platforms. Google Play is still not letting us on there because of things I can't really control. So, sorry about that, guys. But (laughs) you can listen on Spotify. That's kind of cool. In any case, though... That's all we have this week. Sorry, it's a solo show, but you still got a full hour, or nearly a full hour out of it, so I did everything I could. I'm going to edit this thing, hopefully get it out to you by five, and yeah, until we meet next time, when we will discuss everything we discussed here in greater detail, give you a prediction of the All-Star Game, and much, much more, and until we meet again, don't forget to play ball. Damn, that was good.